Welcome back to the Stu Simpson Show. It is episode 8 and today we talk to Dan White about his amazing comic book, The Department of Ability. Here's what Dan had to say about making something a little bit different in the world of comic books. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Dan White, to the Stu Simpson Show. Hello, Dan. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you very much. In dire need of a haircut and a shave, possibly on the same day, I hope. <laughs> oh, so you get somebody else to do your shave as well at the same time as the as the haircut? Yeah, yeah. I'm gradually disappearing un- under a multitude of fur, uh, um, but um, I suppose that's the artist's prerogative, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Just, to, you know, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It looks great from here. There's nothing wrong with it, but yeah, we all feel differently about how. Because I'm kind of looking at my hair, going, "Oh God, I'm stiff." But no, you, actually, you look like I'd kill. For, I'd kill from a moustache like that. Do you know that? It's taken. It's taken quite a lot of time, and, and um, <laughs> a lot of great. Effort, but yeah, it started on a TV on a on a film thing years ago. I didn't intend to have a curly moustache, but this makeup lady kind of just got a hold of the ends and went tweak it. I went, oh my God, that looks amazing. It puts me in mind of um, one of my heroes, in fact, the great eccentric and much missed Vivian Stanchel from the oh, Monzo's yes. Dog Doodah Band, who's one of my all-time favourite heroes with it, with his um, much the same glasses as you've got. In fact, you've got a lot in common. You've got the massage, you've got the glasses, you've got the artwork. So, yeah, I think that's why I warm to you very much, because you, you're, you're giving off that, that feeling of, of, of Viv. But, yeah, it, it is the moustache. He had much the same moustache, even he had a really long, pointy beard. Yes. I love I love the yeah. ones. Those. And you're not the first person oh, I love to com- compare me to, to Vivian, so it always feels like Really? A, yeah, it's it's happened a number of times, so I feel quite privileged and uh, and honoured to be kind of put in the same sort of bracket, So which is rather sweet. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he, he, he was... He was, and one of mine too, is a great, great artist, great singer, and, and just a great eccentric, and we just don't have enough eccentrics anymore. That, that, that seems to be a dying breed, unfortunately, yep. which is tragic. So I think I think the eccentric exists within an awful lot of people that just have to bring, having to bring it out, because it takes takes yeah. being brave, really, because it took me a long, it's taken years, because I try to be cool for a very, very long time, and um, you, you sort of just want to be one of the crowd and fit in. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. Um, and it's taken till about the age of forty to start wearing bow ties and tank tops. <laughs> but but it's you, and you and you feel yeah. happy, you feel relaxed, in it. and I Absolutely. and I think I think it's better to be an individual than it is to be in a crowd. For years, I spent all my life trying to be one of the crowd, and you just look back and you think, why did I do that? I just wasn't happy, and now, now I can just express myself now the way I wear. I feel so much better. So speaking about expressing yourself, we had to talk yes. about the Department of Ability, which is an amazing project. And But I'd like you to tell the listeners all about the Department of Ability. What is it to begin with? Certainly, the Department of Ability are five disabled superheroes. The central character is Emily, uh, based around my daughter. She says much the same traits as her comic self. And the fact she um, doesn't do authority, um, the lack of respect for um, people in political power. She is very sarcastic, very driven. Um, yeah, her character is a wheelchair user. Uh, she has an adaptable flying wheelchair. She can take the wheels off to use as shields, which she can pummel bad guys with. And she's surrounded by her very diverse cohorts. We have an extraterrestrial called Azazat, who has a barnic prosthetic arm. We have a cheetah called Pawsey, who has a running blade. We have, uh, we even have a ghost by the name of Claypole, if you remember Rent-A-Ghost. Yes, I did pinch that. But yes, he has a visual impairment because he was brought back from the afterlife, but not completely, so he has a visual impairment. But he wields two sticks, which he uses as fighting sticks. 
And lastly, we have Billy the dog, who has uh, carbon back wheels and a radar tail, which also can pick up uh, Wi-Fi and dispense a latte. So all five of them together have joined as a Department of Ability to fight, not well, just to fight crime, as it were, but um, they're not they're not projected as inspirational because I'm, we're all tired in the disability community of the inspirational trope, as it were. They're just shown as matter of fact, using their disabilities as best their abilities. But the best thing about the characters is, which I love, is the fact they bicker. They don't always get on. They just take the mick out of each other. They take the mick out of the world itself. And yeah, it's just it's just a wonderful, wonderful concept. I'm very, very proud of it. They're so eclectic. They're so diverse. I think they're really, really original. And it's just been lovely to see that the, the comic has been flying around to all four corners of the world. It's, it's just been so humbling that people are just so desperate to see something different. I was just really blown away by it myself because it's so empowering. But for everybody who reads it, or everybody's been sort of um, just looks at it, it's just, it's beautifully drawn. And it's, the stories are great fun. It's really, really good. And so I wanted to, and it's so different from all the other sort of um, comic books which you see on the shelves. That's what I was, I was trying to drive for. And the fact is completely accessible. So it doesn't matter what age you are, what ability you are, whether you're in a disabled community or not, you can pick it up and you can read it and you can laugh with it and you can enjoy it. Because there are no lectures, it's not not a sterile product, which unfortunately, like most disabled things are, when they're taken out of the hands of the community and put into other people. If you see, what I mean, people outside the community tend to sterilise disability, think it's a bit niche, think it's all inspirational, think or oh, people need to be lectured. They don't need to be lectured. If someone's going to pick this comic up and then afterwards decide to investigate disability, well, then that's fantastic. Yeah. If not, they're just going to enjoy the ride of the comic. Well, that's just fantastic. So, yeah, it's just about, I hate using the word normalise, but it's about trying to normalise the concept of disability in a media world that's still struggling to actually fully access that community. Is one of the aims to integrate the disabled community with the abled community and make it more together yeah yeah that's, that's exactly what it is it's a template for that because you you seem to find that uh, the media especially uh, television industry are, are, are still every year promising full inclusion for disabled people and it, it's still not happening because they just seem to be tiptoeing around it they just need to go for it absolutely just just need to take the shackles off because disabled people are people they enjoy everything everyone else does and of course they would like a slice of everything everyone else has which is absolutely fair and absolutely right so on my idea with this comic is to provide that bridge because all children love it i mean i'm 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 very humble very very lucky but but it's not just disabled children who've bought it it's just children in general adults in general who are sharing it around which is the the main if you like subtle messaging behind it and i think the youth today get that we're all one being instead of kind of all these sort of separate things much more than any any generation before and the more inclusive of people of different abilities and that's so i think this is a, a great way forward to kind of include more people and it's it's actually people in authority unfortunately who are still very blinkered around um, different abilities what are the origin stories how did it all start was this um Emily's idea was this your idea it did begin when Emily received her first wheelchair I think she was three at the time and of course the second she she was sat in it you could see just her eyes were just widening as she just first tenderly pushed those wheels and she found she could move and it was just an incredible moment you could just see not only the the joy in her face but also the mischief 
in her face because now she could reach everything that was out the way before, like stick toast in a DVD player or go to <laughs> the bathroom and reel off the entire toilet roll onto the floor. But we just went, we just let her do it because exploration is how you learn, no matter who you are at the end of the day. But then she just decided to look for relevant imagery for her on the television and in books. She wanted to see representation, as we all do, of, of ourselves in the, in the media that we just love. And indeed, we, we, put, we put into them. She couldn't find any. And it was that I got particularly rather cross with the industry and decided that if they weren't going to do it, I was going to do it myself. So initially, I did it for her to make her feel more included. But then the momentum gathered. The, the more illustrations I did, the more I put it across on social media, the, the, the bigger it was becoming. The word got out sort of thing, and people were desperate to see more. So I just found myself with a little bit of, of Emily's input because I went from her personality, like I said. She, I'm very proud of her personality. She's very, very political. She forms her own opinions. And like me, she doesn't really respect authority unless authority respects you back, which I think is, is a good match for people. But yeah, it just snowballed from there. So I, I decided to try for the first time in my life, because I was always a comic fan, try and implement the stages of writing and drawing a comic. And I'm, I'm glad to say I published the first 44 pages and we've just done three or four print runs of about 3,000 each and they're all, they're all gone. It just proves that it was needed. But yeah, it was literally... Unfortunately, it was Emily's sadness that propelled me to do it because as a father, you want to do anything for your child. And I thought, right, if, if no one else is going to provide something relevant for her, I'll do it myself. What's the difference between a comic and a graphic novel? I would say the difference is a, a graphic novel gives you a complete, complete omnibus of a story in one book. That was the initial thing for the Department of Ability to produce a graphic novel. But unfortunately, producing a graphic novel, from my point of view, wasn't cost effective because everything I do is, is self-funded. Because obviously, um, the tragedy I found is that publishers um, don't want to touch it with someone else's barge pole because it's got disability in it. And of course, they don't think disability sells. So of course, I had to self-fund the lot. So I had to split it up into several comics. I'm still hoping to get the other one published. But it's such a slow process having to pay for colorists and letterers when you consider a page just costing me... 30 to 40 pound per page to get colored letters so that that's the reason why the second part's taken so long but yeah a comic in itself shows a progression of a story every week i would say whereas a, a graphic novel will give you the whole thing literally lumped in one big chunky volume but the, the, the problem i have today is if you look on the shelves in shops like asda's and things like that they, they, they don't really you don't sell comics anymore they sell free gifts with a comic attached to it which is so heartbreaking I mean, you can probably remember, Stu, as well as I do, walking into any shop and you'd have Warlord and the Victor and the Beano yeah. and the Dandy and Whoopi and Wizard and Chips and all these wonderful comics with all these wonderful illustrations and stuff that were sold purely on the artwork themselves. But it's just, it's just an industry that's got niche now because it's only comic book stores that you seem to find these things, which is good, but I think it's this literally shutting off a generation of children from enjoying comics. Yeah, You don't really see, see them in corner shops anymore, do you? No, no, not at all. Unless you're going to wander down the Forbidden Planet or a comic shop, the niche comic shop, that's where you're going to find it. But in fact, unfortunately, it's wall-to-wall Marvel and DC, which is good, but it's, it's just suffocating, I feel, that, that, that the Marvel takeover is suffocating. And it's pushing so many smaller illustrators and artists to be self-independent when they've got so much good artwork and stories and visuals to sell. I think Marvel needs to take a, a, take a, a step back and let other people push yeah. Work into the thing. It'd be less suffocating. You mentioned Marvel and DC. If 
you could get this chip turned into a TV show or a film. Would you like that to happen? And if so, who would you like to do it? Would you like Marvel, DC, BBC, uh, the Beano? <laughs> who would well, make these things? It's funny enough because when the concept first came to the media's attention, my agent, bless her, because I'm working on a series of children's books with her now on a publisher, but my agent, my agent's best friend in America was Stan Lee's agent. Wow. And of course, this was passed on to Stan Lee. And for a little while, Stan Lee was very, very interested in the concept. But unfortunately, his manager was a bit more grounded in making money. And of course, the whole thing fell apart, which is such a tragedy. Um, but yeah, I'll be quite happy for Marvel or DC or in fact anyone with a bit of imagination to take it over. But I would still, I know it sounds a bit, this, this sounds so pretentious, but I would still like creative input on it because I don't want the initial messaging of it to be taken away. I don't want it to be turned into, now let's talk about disability children. Emily's in a wheelchair because, no, 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 no. That's not what it's about. Just show it, just make it, let them do it. If people want to discover things off the back of it, then that's brilliant. But this is not a lecture thing. It's just an adventure story. They just yeah. happen to have disability. So I'd be more than grateful for, for, to work with anyone with it, as long as they can keep the core themes and the core spirit of it. Yeah, I think we've got to learn from mistakes that comics have done in the past. Like You'll probably remember Captain Planet. Yeah, I remember Captain Planet. And yeah, it had yeah. such a great impetus and storyline where it wanted yeah. to go on was trying to teach the, the world back in the 90s that were messing things up uh, yeah. and, and but it just got a bit too preachy and yeah uh, but and so i think we've you've learned from other people and everybody who's sort of trying to do something which with this genre that it can be done we'll just normalize it because it's because it is it's just normal it's just yeah. what's going on it's it's, it's happening in the world Exactly. Um, people people get tend to get turned off when you start to get too preachy about anything. That, that, that's the problem, especially from a, a, an entertainment point of view. Was it Terence Dix used to say, if you want to if you want to give them a message, send a telegram or something like that. I think you can do it subtly, but I don't think you should actually physically impose it on people because I think it just detracts from what you're trying to do. And it's a great story. They're really, it's a really, really good, good story. So how many people are on your team? So you've got colorists and letterists and things. So for people who don't understand what it takes to make a comic, can you just explain what it is from, from the start to the end? Yeah. Can you tell us? Absolutely. Uh, it, it was the genesis of the story, literally just putting down the concept of what I wanted them to fight against and everything along those sort of lines of thing. And that, that turned into a script. And then I storyboard it in black and white images I've learned as I've gone along, to be honest with you, about it. I made a lot of mistakes to start with. I had to completely start again. But yeah, storyboard it in black and white and then go over it in ink. And I've just had to leave the panels blank as they are. You send a corresponding script to that page, to your letterer, who will then put in the captions, drop in the speech boxes with the letters in. You have to put in special sound effects words, things like that, and then that comes back to you. You proofread it. You send it off to colorists with guidelines about shading and color and making sure they follow the same colour of the heroes on the next page. Then that comes back to you for proof, and that all goes into the Dropbox file, and it gets uploaded with everything else. It, it sounds complicated, but the hardest thing of all is illustrating and writing it. Then after that, it's just a case of looking what other people have contributed. But we just are a three-man team, myself uh, and John, the colourist, uh, and a wonderful letterer as well, who's done a lot of work with the Indian industry. But yeah, it's just it's just a slow process, unfortunately. I mean, if I was uh, if I was rich, I could probably have have it all done by now and out and, and just given away. But 
when you're a, a you know a, a parent carer disabled child and you you have other things going on in your life um it takes a long time to do and i'm just grateful people have been very patient very grateful for that i really like the work of neil game and i've only just after all these years discovered sandman and i'm just like really this is incredible like, it's, i've, I've yeah. got to the age of 42 without being, discovering sandman and um, but it's, it's kind of just changed my world who are your artistic influences when it comes to um your writing uh, well, my, my artistic influence was always Dave Gibbons, who did a lot of uh, 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 Star, uh, who did a lot of um, Doctor Who in the early days, Doctor Who Weekly. Dave Gibbons, his artwork is, is just incredible, and his lettering as well. He was always a big plus for me. Uh, I'd say, writer-wise, a lot of people who work in the industry and say things like um, 2001 when it first came out, and the Eagle and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just so many to think about. It's, it's, I mean, it's been a whole childhood of seeing visuals and illustrations from so many comic manufacturers, from DC Thompson to, to DC Comics, if you see what I mean. The whole, the whole thing is flooded into my brain and it's all set in there rattling around. But I, I, I've learnt, the biggest thing I've learnt, that Leo Moore, Leo Moore, whose um, dad is Alan Moore, we've probably all heard of Alan Moore, but Leah Moore, she's such a great friend. She told me, you don't have to explain everything. Leave a lot of things to the imagination. That took a long time to go in, but she was absolutely right. So, so I, I credit Leah as a big, big inspiration and a big input on mine. And in your working practice, you sit down every single day. Is it timetabled in for, for when you come in, right, I'm going to work, I, I'm making my comic today, as it just kind of when the muse hits you? Well, fortunately enough, it's all written. It's all drawn up. So at the minute, I'm, I'm just concentrating on my writing, writing my articles and columns and stuff like that, and working for the disability union as editor and comms guy. But all of a sudden, a couple of pages, I pop in my inbox from John or the letterer saying, can you okay this? And I'll run through it and add little notes like more shading. Can you blur this? Uh, Emily's hair color's wrong. Um, can you drop the text down a bit? Can you move the speech bubble? That will pop in just randomly, and then that will be done and go off into the Dropbox file. But yeah, uh, as it was originally when I was doing it, it was a case of I was literally sat here from nine o'clock till late in the evening, which was which is good because I remember those days. It was just so exciting to be sat there and drawing, and you just lose track of time. You know what it's like to do with your art, but you just lose. You get into it, you just lose complete track of time on everything. Before you know it, it was night time, and I had to put Emily to bed. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's just a wonderful it's a wonderful experience to do. I recommend it to everyone. Scientifically, apparently, it's the same part of the brain that works on meditation when you really? when, when you're drawing and um, and painting and you get lost in that space. It's the same part of the brain which is activated. So it's oh, um, right. so it's, it's just, so you get into more like theta um, waves in your in, yeah. in your in your so it's yeah so yeah it's highly recommended to anybody but yeah that's what's happening you're basically tapping into that part of your brain and for example van gogh who was had well supposedly might have had temporal lobe epilepsy so that part of the brain was really active on color but it's also yeah. active on religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs so because okay. he, he was a priest for a while yeah. uh, but he got kicked out of the church for being too religious <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah gonna, I'll, a, I'll spend some hours trying to work that one out later. Yeah, it's a very religious. odd thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 But there you go. This is all self-funded, and you've got a crowdfunder going to try and help get this thing going, and it's it's already going. But you need some more help with this. So, where can people get in touch with you? And hopefully, maybe if they if so willing, wish to contribute to the crowdfunder. How do they do? Well, the, the crowdfunder unfortunately ended, and uh, unfortunately. Uh, 
life got away from me and I like I said ended up spending more time on the campaign for for because I campaigned a hell of a lot for disability care, mental health and the, and the NHS. And and so the crowdfunding eventually was ceased, but people could very lucky to gather some money, but it's only going to get me to a certain point. So there's still going to be a lot more pages to colour and letters. So people can get in contact with me through through the website or email me, which is dan at departmentofability.com or find me on Twitter at danwhite1972, whatever, whatever they want to do. I mean, any input would be would be marvellous, be absolutely marvellous. Emily's quite a big Billy Eilish fan, is she not? Yes, yes. I, I, I reckon you should somehow slip Billy Eilish into the storyline get her in there as a little guest appearance and then say, hey, Billy, yeah. look, come here. Yeah. Read this comic book and chuck us a couple of quid, will you, lass? <laughs> yeah, I like that, a couple of quid. That'd be good. That'd be good. So I, think, I think at some point in their lives, every artist has to sell their soul in order to finish off, I think, unfortunately. So I, I might have to do that. Billy's, have to do she that. seems like a good lass. <laughs> no, I, I like her. She, she won't be moulded by an industry that's determined to mould everyone. And she's sticking to her gun. She's yeah. going to be her own person. And I, I think that's fabulous. And she I love really, her spirit. She loves her fans as well. She just really kind of, she loves that connection. Yeah. She totally gets it. Uh, yeah. No, and, I, yeah. I, I, th- I think it's wonderful. But Emily's getting more punk these days. Oh really? Who's yeah, she? She's playing uh, Sex Pistols, The Damned, um, Polystyrene, all stuff like that. Nice. It, it's great. Yeah, no, yeah. it's absolutely great to see her finding her way musically and artistically. It's, it's well, absolutely wonderful. I'll have to send you a link to my old Scar punk band, The Birth of Bon Oyster. She might like it. Oh yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm very much into Scar. Love yeah. Scar. Please oh, do. Yeah. Please do. We'll do yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that's it's been a lovely, lovely little um, chat. It's been really nice to sort of actually meet you after all this time. And, and you too. Yeah, it's wonderful. So hopefully you never know. And at some point in the future, I might come down and do a gig at some point because I was, I was supposed to do that last year, I think, or not the year before. And then right. all, all of this happened. So and, yeah. Yeah, and we were looking forward to meeting each other in real life. <laughs> well, we, we will meet each other in real life. And I, I suppose we've got plenty to talk about, Vivian Stanchel and art-wise. And it, it will be, I think it'll be one of those times. Again, like I said earlier, well, time will run away from us. But I look forward to that immensely, Stu. I really Absolutely. do. Me too, my friend. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll see you again in the future. And welcome. Thank you for being on the Stu Simpson show. <laughs> I'd love to come on again. Thank you very much. Take care. And all the best to Emily. Thanks, mate. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to The Stu Simpson Show. If you want to find out more about Dan White's comic book, The Department of Ability, go to his website, www.thedepartmentofability.com. Thank you very much for listening. Namaste, dear friends. Take care of each other. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Have fun. Hopefully, you'll hear me soon. Take care.